of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is September the 12th, 2014. This is episode 1425 of the Survival Podcast, and it's Friday, Friday, Friday. I'm going to give you the Friday, Friday, Friday today, but we're not doing a listener call show today. Uh, I have done something I think I've done maybe three times in six and a half years. I have found somebody doing something that I found to be so important that I reached out to them and arranged an immediate interview. I don't do that. Those of you who have been here a long time know that. It doesn't happen very often at all. The guy's name is Orion Martin, and he is one of the founders of Sidekick.co, S-I-D-E-K-I-K dot C-O. Uh, this is an app that I mentioned that's in development with an Indiegogo campaign right now, uh, earlier this week. And I talked about it a little bit on the air. I cannot tell you how important this is to our future. Um, once I get done with the, the housekeeping today, I'll come back and say a few words before I bring Ryan on. I've got Ryan for about an hour. That's going to be today's Friday show. Please understand me when I tell you it is because this is important. This really is important that something like this get done. Before I do that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today. BulkAmmo.com. Hey, you know what? There is the triangle of gun operator efficiency. The operator is the linchpin. Then you've got the gun, and then you got the ammo. you got a great operator, great gun, no ammo. You're screwed. you got an overpriced club. You run around and look cool with it, but you can't put meat on the table or save somebody's life or protect your own life or property, can you? And you can't really train without ammo. To train right, you got to put rounds down range. You need ammo. You need lots of it. You don't want to pay too much. You want to find where they have it in stock and get it to you quick. That's BulkAmmo.com. Next up today, Safe Castle Royal, the original survival podcast sponsor. The guys that have been with us the longest out of any sponsor that we've ever had. Uh, we're talking going into six years now. Um, folks, how many podcasts last six years? Let alone a relationship of a sponsor who's been a loyal supporter of this show for six years. Gives away their discount value, their discount membership program that they sell for $49 every day to you guys for free if you're a member of my support brigade. Been doing that for almost six years. These guys are great. Anything you need for your prepping, from the practical to the tactical, from guns to gardens and everything in between, you'll find it at safecastle.com. Check them out today. Uh, remember, Safe Castle does give you that free membership. Bulk Ammo does give you a discount. If you're a member of My Support Brigade, many of my other sponsors do. If you're buying stuff from Guns to Gardens and everything in between, I'll tell you what, my membership pays for itself. Check it out today. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on Members. You get all kinds of great stuff. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, prior service, and first responders like EMTs, paramedics, and firefighters. All of you qualify for a discount. If you email me with service discount in the subject line, we'll hook you up with that discount before you join and make a great product and even better product. With today's topic, note that I do give a discount to law enforcement. That should say something about why I'm doing what I'm doing today. It's not that I don't support law enforcement. It's that I don't support shitty law enforcement. Yeah, I said it. Anyway, before we uh, get the guest on, let's take care of the year that was the episode. The year is 1425, and I've got one for you today called The History of Tamerlane and Crowdsourcing. Got to do that if we're talking about crowdsourcing today a little bit. 
Anyway, this is from Alex Shrugged at TSPWiki.com. The history of Tamerlane and crowdsourcing, the history book of the life of Tamerlane who killed millions, has been published. It is entitled Zafar Nama, which translates to Letter of Triumph or Book of Victory. Much of the information we have today about Tamerlane comes from this book. Portions of an English translation are online with a very long title, but the short version is A History of Timur Beck. See the link below. Um, for those that don't remember the other times we've talked about who Tamerlane was, he was synonymous with evil until Hitler came. Killed millions of people, left their bodies in stacks, heads in rows, that type of thing. Uh, one of the, uh, the most murderous of all the Mongols. Anyway, my take by Alex Shrugged. Remember that this historian was commissioned to write this book by someone with a point of view. Science and history will be financed for centuries to come, either by independently rich scientist himself or through a rich patron sponsoring the work. The modern equivalent is called crowdsourcing. People kick in what they can afford to finance a worthy project. It can be as simple as paying for a plane ticket for a war correspondent to fly to Afghanistan to get the real story. But remember that people paying for the product, the patrons, have expectations. They aren't dictating the exact outcome, but the scientist, researcher, historian will accommodate their patron where they can. This includes when the patron is the government. There's nothing neutral about having a government patron. That doesn't make the practice automatically bad, but keep in mind who is paying for the work. Anyway, I think that's absolutely the case. That's why I like crowdsourcing like we're going to talk about today, where they tell you this is what we're doing, and we're committing to do this, and then you support it based on what they've already said they want to do versus them finding out the information the way that you want it found out. That's what I actually call neutral. Anyway, before I bring my guest on today, I want to tell you guys why I did this, why I found this to be so important. I talked about this earlier, but uh, I, I was contacted by a gentleman from Anarchast who, who runs that podcast, and he said, will you come on my show? You know, And I said, yeah, I'll come on your show. We'll, we'll work it out. And I went to check his site out, and I found Orion had just done an interview with him, and he was talking about this product called Sidekick. And I, I went to the Indiegogo campaign, and I look at this, and I see what it really is. And it's this product that you turn your phone on, it records everything that's going on, it uploads it to secure servers so they can't just like smash your phone and make it all go away, and it connects you to an attorney. And I said, God, do we need this? God, do we need this? And I put it out on Facebook, and I put it out on Twitter, and I had a couple people say, I don't see anything here but cop bashing. And it just makes me want to, to sigh. I mean, how is... Having an attorney available to you and having access to counsel and being able to hold law enforcement accountable to doing the job the way they're supposed to do it, cop bashing. It doesn't make any sense. And I realize how mind-numbingly programmed the average American has become. And I realize that this product doesn't just exist to save lives and to combat abuses, but actually to open minds. Every time we get conclusive proof of abuse by law enforcement. One or two more minds go, oh, really, they did that? Oh, it's just a few people. Oh, they did it again? Oh, wait a minute. And I want to talk about this few. There's just a few. Just a few bad apples. Just a few bad cops. Um, what if it was just a few bad pilots flying airplanes? What if, oh, no, once a week a pilot crashed a plane into the ground? 
we we got just a few bad. I mean, ninety nine percent of the planes take off and land where they're supposed to. It's it would you know what? It would probably still be safer. It would probably still be safer than driving. I think if one plane crashed a week, fifty two weeks a year, there'd probably still be more people dead in automobile accidents than plane crashes. Would we be okay with it? Would we be okay if a plane crashed every two weeks? What if a plane crashed every month? I don't know, let's do the math. Let's say, and they were big planes, uh, 250 average passengers, uh, plane crashes once a month. So a year, we, we have, um, hold on, I'm actually doing the math here to make sure I don't screw this up. 250 times 12 is uh, 3,000. 3,000 people a year died in airplanes in the United States. I think it's something like 30 to 35,000 people a year die on the roads. So statistically, it would still be 10 times safer to get in a car than to get on an airplane. But would you be okay with that if they said, you know, it's pilot error. We just, they're the best pilots we can get. We're doing the best job we can screening them. And, and you know, I mean, it, it's only one plane a month out of thousands and thousands of planes. No, you wouldn't be okay with it. So why is it okay if there was one instance of officer abuse a month that results in serious injury, death, or false incarceration of a person? And it's a lot more than one. Let's do some other math. I'll talk about this later with uh, with Orion, but okay, there's 780,000 police officers in the United States. This is not law enforcement officers. This is police officers, local and state police officers, state troopers and your local PD. And your sheriff's department, those guys, the guys that are out on patrol or sitting at a desk, right out in the field, that interact directly at the local and state level. Seven hundred eighty thousand of those people. If five percent of them are abusive people, it's thirty nine thousand people. Thirty nine thousand. I think five percent is a reasonable number to to, to go on. I, I do. I, if you cut that in half, it's still almost twenty thousand people. Okay, because 39 is almost 40, cut that in half, you get, okay, you got it? So 18 and some change, 18.5, something like that. And then, well, well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe, maybe it's only, maybe it's only 1%. It's just 99% are good. That's the number we hear. With no justification as to where that number comes, it's only 1%. Okay, 1% of 780,000. Is 7,800. So that's if it's 1%. I don't believe for a second it's 1%. But let's do a little more math. Let's, let's, let's allocate those to every state. That's 156 psychopaths on average in every state in the United States of America with a gun, a badge, a club, a taser, a shotgun, tear gas, pepper spray, and a badge that says they have the authority of the state behind them. 156 in your state on average. If it's if it is 1%. Okay. Now, you're going to hear some stuff today when we get Orion on that I never even thought of like what happens when you hear this and you open the door and there's a couple deputies there and there's somebody standing in the front and she's had a clipboard and she's dressed nice and she says, "Hi, I'm from Child Protective Services." I never even thought of how this app would help you there. But that's another instance. There's been so many instances of that. Guys, this is important. It's why I brought it on today. We are at a point where I believe, as a society, 
We are at a split point right now. We are either going to become the biggest police state that's ever existed on planet Earth, or we're going to turn away from it. And it's not going to be because you elected Democrats or Republicans. And if you still believe that, I don't even know that I can help you anymore. It's going to be we the people saying enough. We are tired of this shit. We're not taking it anymore. We are no longer going to let you abuse our rights as citizens. And you can be the most diehard supporter of law enforcement on planet Earth. You can believe the 99% number if you want to, and you should still want to back something like this. And I'll tell you why. You probably carry your own a gun, don't you? Now, how likely is it that you will actually ever have to use that gun to defend your family or defend your home? How likely is it really? Well, even with 1% in your state, there's 150-odd people out there with a badge and a gun and the legitimacy of the state behind them that can potentially abuse you. And that gun won't help you. We'll talk about that today, too. That'll get your ass killed at worst and in prison for life at best. That's not an option in dealing with law enforcement. It has to be a nonviolent solution to a violent problem. And that only solution that I see is technology, and that's what Orion and his team are working on. Again, the company is called Sidekick, and I went out of my way to bring Orion on early or uh, right away today because I'm booking guests right now in December. And uh, again, I think this is really, really important. I want you guys to tune in and listen to what's really going on today. And I want you to seriously consider supporting this effort, even at 10 bucks. And with that, I want to say, hey, Orion, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack, thanks for having me here. Hey, I just found out about you and your work on uh, the Anarchast, and uh, I was uh, immediately kind of struck with the need for what you're doing. And um, I'm doing something today that the audience knows I almost never do. I almost never work somebody in. So obviously, uh, I really want to try to help you guys get this thing uh, on the road. Can you tell people a little bit about what Sidekick is and where the idea for it came from? Sure, yes. Uh, Sidekick is a Sidekick will be a mobile application uh, which will perform two uh, very important functions at the same time. Uh, one is that uh, when it's activated, it will turn on the audio and video devices uh, on a user's smartphone and begin streaming that data as it's recorded to secure servers, multiple secure servers. And uh, the other feature that it will do is that Sidekick will initiate a video call to a nationwide attorney network, and within a few seconds, the user will be represented by an attorney uh, in their state, in whatever state that they're in. And that attorney will represent that person um, in whatever situation the user finds themselves in. And a lot of times when people will be using it, it will be because they've been uh, pulled over by a law enforcement officer or maybe they've uh, answered their door and they've found that there are some uh, CPS agents there to kidnap their children. And they can have an attorney who will handle that situation for them. That's 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 incredible. I think it's 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 definitely needed. Um, you just opened up a whole Pandora's box for me that I'm going to end up probably going a little longer with this uh, segment than I planned on with CPS because we'll come back to that. I do want to get your thoughts on this, though. When I saw this, 
one of the reasons I found it to be a solution is I was just talking to my wife a few weeks ago about how more and more citizens are pushing for the police departments to make the, the police officers wear a camera. And I had two problems with that. One, it's the fox in the hen house thing. But the other thing is there are cops out there that don't go out of their way to cause problems for people. They're, they're doing the job the best they can in the situation they have. And there are cops that will come up to a guy and catch him on some kind of minor infraction and go, dude, get the hell out of here and go home. The day you put a camera on every single cop, that goes out the window because now the cop's afraid to even use discretion. By putting this into the hands of the citizen, the citizen can decide, this is a situation where I'm uncomfortable with this. This is some cop at the convenience store saying hi to me, and I'm not going to throw a lawyer in his face. So it allows the citizen the discretion, and it puts the power in the hands of the citizen where it belongs versus the state, which will use it however they choose to if we trust them to do it. Right, and there are actually there are two examples which show that body cameras are largely irrelevant at, at uh, police departments. So the first one is Rialto, California, and this is the this is the um, this is the example that people give when they want to when they want to show how good body cameras are. So the police chief in Rialto, California, uh, instituted a policy. He actually ran a test for his department, and he had half of them wear body cameras and half of them uh, not. And uh, what happened was that for the uh, officers who did wear body cameras, their use of force complaints dropped by something like two-thirds, and it, the, the study was pretty conclusive. And so now they all wear body cameras. Well, what people don't often talk about is Albuquerque, New Mexico. So uh, this, is, this is now widely known. You know, there have been huge troubles in Albuquerque with um, police killing people, and it's been at such a high rate. Uh, and, it, and it all really started around 2010 after the entire department was issued body cameras. Hmm. So it didn't really do anything. What it really depends on is the department, the officers, the officer training. And like you just said, it's basically the fox guard of the hen house. You can't really count on people to police themselves. The, it just doesn't really work out. So... And it's also not just about the video. Um, there have been apps out for some years now that stream audio video to something, whether it's a, you know, a cloud account or uh, a user's home computer if they have a static IP address or something like that. And it's helped, it's helped in documentation. So there, there, there have been instances that where people have run into police and they've been starting to get harassed, their rights have started to get violated. Uh, violated. And they begin using a streaming app, and and it's great for documenting it. But it, how does it really hold the officers accountable? It, it, how does it really solve the problem? And the answer is that it it, it doesn't. And 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 this is uh, goes back to your your first question that you asked me, which I I actually didn't get around to answering, which is how did I get into this? And it all really started in um, 2008 when a friend of mine was just. I mean, he was brutally beaten by three police officers. Um, he was pulled over, and they later admitted in court that they didn't even have a reason to pull him over, uh, but they did. Um, and uh, they basically just didn't – they took a dislike to him. And he, he was fully cooperative, um, and they wound up just smashing his windows in, and they they just beat him, beat him uh, punching, kicking, beat him with clubs, tased him, stomped on him. And uh, and then they wound up doing what has become pretty familiar to people, which is uh, charging him with assaulting an officer. 
standard and let me guess arrest. resisting arrest yes of course everybody resists arrest right 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 i mean they even have the charge now of resisting arrest without violence yeah okay yeah so uh it's it's absurd that's um, a, and you I, went limp. You didn't. You didn't move fast enough when I told you to. You, I mean, it, it, that is preposterous. I do have to say one thing for the state of Texas, which is doing all it can to become a police state as well. At least we don't have that here yet. There, we, there is. You cannot be charged with resisting all violence here. But I know in many states they've now added that as a possible charge. Right. Right. And you know, it's basically. It's, you know, the, the, these additional laws are basically just allowing police to have more tools at their discretion uh, when it comes to arresting somebody and 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 charging them with with nonviolent crimes, right? Um, and with my with my friend, he he was he was charged with, with with these crimes. He was charged basically with the crime that the police committed against him. And I went to his trial, and what I saw at the trial uh, was an eye opener. Because all the evidence clearly showed that the officers were the ones who, who had assaulted my friend. Uh, the officers had to make up a story, and their stories conflicted. They couldn't even keep their stories straight when, when each of them was on the stand. And, and, it, and it, was, it was totally obvious. And, um, and then, of course, there's the thing that they admitted, which is that uh, the officer who pulled him over didn't even have a reason to pull him over in the first place. He just did. And it didn't really matter um, because in the end, all the assistant uh, DA had to do was stand up, uh, point at my friend and tell the jury, this man does not respect authority. And for your average American, that just the thought of it can't really be tolerated. So they actually found him guilty and he was sentenced to a year in jail. And after that, I, I just asked myself, you know, what could have been done for this? Like, you know, Physical evidence isn't enough. Um, basic critical thinking is, is not enough. What, what jurors need would be flat-out audio-video evidence of, of what actually happened. And uh, that's really the only solution here. And actually, as a quick side note, my, when my friend was uh, after the beating, he was still conscious. He was on the ground, and he overheard the officers uh, talking to each other, and they were concerned that their assault has been somehow recorded. And so mm -hmm. they ransacked his vehicle, looking for a video camera, audio recording device, a cell phone that it turned on, and, and they didn't find anything. And But it was a really important thing for me because uh, when, I, when I asked myself the question, what could have been done, the, the first answer that popped up of, uh, you know, he could have had, a, a, you know, a, his cell phone recording or he could have had a video camera, it was quickly tossed out because they would have just taken it and destroyed it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the next solution would really be streaming that data as it's recorded to a secure server. And for him, that would have been enough because he is very knowledgeable about his rights. And also, and this is critically important too, he, he knows how to stand up for them. There are plenty of videos on YouTube of, uh, you know, uh, cop watchers who get approached by the police, and these are people who, who know their rights. And within 15 seconds, that cop watcher is, is crumbling because they, 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 they cannot handle the face-to-face -face intimidation 
of a police officer. And it's a very daunting thing because what let you're me, dealing with Let me with add is, something there, O'Ryan, that I think is critically important. Another problem with the whole way that YouTube is morphed here and people trying to do this on their own and some people legitimately being approached and, 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 and accosted for no reason and some people being stopped in a routine traffic stop. You didn't signal, you were speeding, whatever, is they watch these YouTube videos, they think they know their rights, but they don't really know their rights. Then they get in a confrontation with a law enforcement officer. It starts to kick into their head that I'm basing everything I'm doing on some YouTube video I watched in another state, by the way, with different laws. And without counsel, that actually can be very dangerous. And that person who thinks they're right can, in fact, be wrong, end up arrested, charged, and under the law, legitimately convicted. Not just like what happened to your friend, but I, I've seen more and more where you see these confrontations People trying to go out and emulate cop block and things like that. And you see one person go, that dude knew everything cold. You see another guy, he probably knew it, but like you said, he got scared. And you see somebody like, this guy had no freaking clue, and he was, he was uh, mimicking. And I think the fact that what you're doing puts counsel in that person's hand is very important. Because what's your attorney going to say first? Shut up, right? Stop talking. Oh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, there was one defense attorney who told me most of his clients talk themselves into jail. So people need to understand that the very first thing the attorney is going to ask you is first, just well, what happened to you? Right? Are you have you been pulled over? Are, are you are you on a sidewalk? You just tell me what happened. So mm -hmm. just just briefly tell the attorney I, I'm I'm in my house and there are cops at my door, or there are CPS agents at my door. Um, I'm on the sidewalk. I've been pulled over, and then that's all that's all the person needs to say. And then the attorney is going to tell that person to just be quiet, be quiet, and hold the phone up. Um, with the screen out facing whoever it is that 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 they're um, interacting with, and the attorney will deal with whoever that person is. And the important thing, um, I want to address a couple of misunderstandings that people have had, the things that uh, I did not make clear in the uh, YouTube video and crowdfunding video before, and that that is that people do not need to pay for the attorney separately from the basic subscription to Sidekick. Uh, we estimate the basic, basic subscription will be about $60 a year, which comes out to about $5 a month. Mm -hmm. And that will include 12 uses of Sidekick. So that, that's, that's 12 uses of being able to tap the icon. It'll stream. It'll be, begin data, uh, the data streaming. And it'll initiate that video call to the network. Within a few seconds, that person will have an attorney on the phone. And they'll be able to see and speak to that person in real time. It will be an attorney at, say, a home office or a law firm. Every attorney will, will, will know the codes, all the relevant codes, whether it's for dealing with a traffic stop, uh, dealing with a DUI stop, uh, dealing with the criteria that a CPS agent needs to uh, actually seize the child. And that call is free for the user. They do not need to have their own attorney and they do not need to pay for that attorney. Yeah, and I think if you're having to tap that thing more than 12 times a year, maybe maybe you are the problem, right? So this this isn't a service that's designed for people to run around, instigate confrontation. Because when I put this out, I had a few people say, I think this is cop bashing. And I'm like, I, I don't understand where you're coming from with simply being able to record the encounter and have legal representation being bashing cops. If you're a good cop, you should love this because you've got the person you're investigating recording themselves. Right. I, 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 I don't yeah, get exactly. anybody calls this bashing a police officer. I do want to put out a number here, though, for people to get this into their heads, because 
here's your problem, Orion, reaching a broader audience than just like the, the niche that we're talking to here. The average person has had multiple contacts with law enforcement in their life, and the average person has had probably not too bad of an interaction with law enforcement. They've got a speeding ticket or two. Maybe they've been let go. They know a guy that's a cop, and he's cool with them. And so when they hear these stories, they don't believe it. They just think that there can't be that much abuse going on. And the other side of it is I think there's less of that now because we do have all this video. But it, it, it revolves into something I call Spirko's theory of 10% scumbags. And that is basically my theory that about 10% of society are psychopathic scumbags. And I don't care if you're talking about priests or electricians or police officers or lawyers or politicians, complete scum, just about 10%. Now, there are 780,000 law enforcement officers in the United States. We don't count the federal people, just all the police, right? 780,000. If we cut my number in half, which I don't think we need to do, but if we do that, that's 39,000 people with a gun, a badge, a taser, and a club, and the, the legitimacy of a badge from the state put on them that have the potential to abuse citizens. And if, if, if that number's even that low, just divide you know, 39,000 by 50 and figure out how many are in your state on average. And this seems to me like something that any informed citizen, even if they've never had a conflict with the police, just like I might get a concealed carry permit, even though I've never had a conflict with somebody that tried to kill me, but I might need to defend myself, I'd want to carry this the same way I carry a weapon to protect myself against somebody in society that would aggress against me, because returning that with the police is not an option. I can't do that. That's, that's a recipe to end up dead. So this is then, therefore, for not everyday encounters, this is for when I feel I'm being in some way accosted by the state. And I think some people, whether we want to admit it or not as a nation, of certain colors and certain localities are routinely targeted heavier than others. And then so the person that lives in their little lily-white neighborhood somewhere in a gated community that says, I never see cops do anything wrong. Well, you don't live where people are having to deal with this crap on a daily basis either. But when I, when I run that number, that's actually shocking to me when I run that number. If, if we go 5% of officers are bad, just a few bad cops is the way they always say it, right? That's, that's almost 40,000 people with, with weapons, a badge, a gun, a radio, and this, this imposed legitimacy that you have to do what they say, that they can do things that if I did them or you did them, Orion, we'd go to prison immediately. That's absolutely right. Uh, the common perception is that the badges grant the officers extra rights. And you bring up some really good points here. And it's important to not just uh, generalize and say all cops are bad, right? And, and a lot of people, once they start, you know, uh, watching, you know, uh, YouTube videos uh, of police interactions or, you know, reading articles about this, they, they, they just come to the conclusion and they say all, all cops are horrible people. Well, no, all cops are not horrible people. There are some truly, truly good people who are wearing police uniforms, who go out every day, and they do not view themselves even as law enforcers. And I've, I've met some officers like this. They view themselves as peace officers, and they don't care if, if, if someone's going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. They don't care if someone's smoking pot. They, they, they truly do not care. What they care about are people who are, who are robbing people, who are, who are assaulting people, who are... Who are, who are committing actual violent crimes. People that and, have this erotic thing called a victim in their crime, those people, yeah. It, it, exactly, exactly. 
On the other hand, there are there are people in society, and you brought up the good point of the psychopath. Uh, the psychopath has been misrepresented through Hollywood. Uh, it's not an it's not a knife wielding maniac. A psychopath is somebody who lacks the ability to empathize with other human beings, and one side effect of that is is the uh, psychological trait of sadism, and and that this is an urge to inflict pain on other people and beings, and that's it's actually a surprisingly high percentage of the population, and you have to ask yourself, what does the sadist do for work? <laughs> they they have these urges, okay. So just imagine that 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 someone, you know, uh, you know, eighteen, twenty, you know, twenty five, and they're not really going anywhere, but they have they they just have this this urge to just to just hurt and inflict pain on other people. Where do they go to do that, right? If they just go do it on their own, they're going to wind up in jail. This is why the psycho, the, the, the percentage of psychopaths in the, in the general population is anywhere from, you know, three to six percent, depending on what study you go by. But in, in, in prison, in jail, uh, it's, uh, anywhere from, um, uh, one in four to one in five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they have the urges, they have to release them. Well, there are some psychopaths who are smarter than others, and the smart ones go into the go into law enforcement, where they know that they can release their sadistic urges on a daily basis, and not be held accountable for that. Well, so, and that that's absolutely the case because anybody with that predisposition is going to gravitate towards some position of authority. Law enforcement being one, politics for the highly functioning being another. Um, the thing is, like, though, even the person that's not a psychopath, this whole system is set up to a point where there's so much, there's so much protectionism and so much of the Stimbu line crap with officers not, the good officers not standing up when they see something go wrong. They imagine this: you're not a bad guy, you're not a psychopath, but you're a cop that's been doing the job for 15 years, and you're you're dealing with assholes on a daily basis. You had a really bad day. Your dog bit you. Your wife told you you're getting a divorce. You dealt with five guys that you tried to put away today that you know are going to walk, and they are really bad guys. Now you got some guy lipping off a little bit. He's really not done anything illegal. It's the middle of the night. You're ready to snap. And I'll tell you what, if that guy has a camera on you and an attorney talking to you, guess what? You're going to check your shit, right? Even if that's not the – so I think that this is necessary for from the complete abusive officer to just the guy that's at a breaking point because I think we need to acknowledge that that type of thing is going to happen to persons in that high-stress environment too. I'm not making an excuse for them. I'm just saying this system is set up. There's so many laws. There's so much enforcement. There's so much of this crap. But sooner or later, people are going to tweak. And if the guy that tweaks happen to, happens to have the protection of the state, it can go really, really wrong really, really fast, and he can get away with it. Right, which brings up the question, how do we make it so that the cops don't get away with it when they do flip out? And that's what sidekick is. Sidekick is actual accountability. It is a true nonviolent solution. And I'll give an example. Um, well, first, sidekick deals with the police state really on two levels, uh, individually and communally. So if, on an individual level, if a person uses sidekick, and you know, during a police interaction, then they have a, a much better chance of not having their rights violated. Okay, and if their rights are violated in that situation, they have 
they have evidence of that violation, and it's it's very simple to file a lawsuit at that point because the the, the facts of what happened are are basically set in stone. On a communal level, the if, if this is where side, the power of psychic really kicks in, and uh, by using the one tool that has actually been shown to alter the behavior of police and 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 hold entire departments accountable. And the best example is that of uh, Maywood, California. So in early June of 2010, the city of Maywood was informed by their insurance carrier that their coverage was being canceled. Now, the cancellation notice cited several reasons, but the primary reason given was the excessive number of claims against the Maywood Police Department. (laughs) Now, from the insurer's point of view, continuing to cover the city and and run and run the risk of of, of paying all these claims. It, it was simply too much, right? The, the insurance companies have algorithms and they have lines. And when a number of claims gets over a line, it, it triggers an alert, and the insurance company will do one of two things: they will either jack up the premium, or they will just cancel the insurance policy. And at and Maywood, the insurance company just said we, we've had enough, and they cancel the insurance policy. So the uh, city, the city government, tr- went out and they tried finding another insurer, but no insurance company would cover them. Each company would take one look at the number of claims against the city, and they would say, no way. And it got to the point that uh, one of the Maywood uh, council members, Felipe Aguera, uh, he told the LA Times, nobody will insure us, not as long as we have the police department. And I'll tell... Uh, listeners, why this is a problem. Cities and counties are required to have insurance to operate. In other words, when they received that notice, they were given a period of time by the insurance company where they would still have coverage. That's the period of time that the city has to go get insurance from somebody else. If they don't have insurance by the time the period's over, the entire city government would have to be disbanded right away, immediately. Everybody would lose their job in the city government. The council members obviously want to keep their job. So they have only one choice to make that happen. Fire the entire police department. <laughs> and that's why on June 30th, about a month after they first received their notice, the entire 60-member Maywood, California Police Department was fired. And that's what Sidekick does. Sidekick will streamline the formation of lawsuits against police departments by ensuring that evidence of rights violations is preserved and by providing a steady flow of attorneys willing to file lawsuits based on that evidence. So what this really oh. does is... Oh. Yeah, okay. that, attorney, that attorney network makes more sense now. Yes, he, <laughs> that, that, that's the power of it, is, yeah. is, is that you know, uh, angry letters don't do anything. Angry phone calls don't do anything. Protests actually don't do anything, no, right? Protests do Again, protests protests eat the state. When you go out okay. and you protest, you have just said, hi, I've noticed you're burning our country. Please allow me to dump some gasoline on it and help you. That's, that's what protesting does. They don't, they don't give a damn what you, what you march for. They don't care. They'll use it to their advantage. If, if, if you have to be protesting for something that the state wants right now, they'll, they'll make you out to be a hero. And if you have to be, happen to be protesting for something the state doesn't want, they'll make you out to be crazy and dangerous. And, and, and there's no good that comes from that. You're absolutely right, sir. 
Yes, protesting does absolutely nothing. And you've got to ask yourself, what actually does affect the behavior of government agents? Well, if you draw up a list, there are only three items on that list. Bullets, jail, and money. Bullets is a point that you brought up earlier. It may be morally sound to, to use lethal force to defend yourself against police aggression, but it's not the healthiest choice. No. In other words, you're probably going to die. Okay? The second choice is jail. Well, it doesn't really work because, as you also brought up previously, the judicial system is designed to keep police out of jail regardless of their behavior. They can do pretty much anything they want. And as long as they invoke the, 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 the sacred the, the sacred excuse, I guess I, I'll call it, of I feared for my life, officer safety, then they can get away with pretty much anything they want. All that leaves is money. Now, money actually does affect them. They're an entire, and Maywood's not the only department. This has happened to other departments. There have been departments, there have been other departments that have been disbanded. There have been other departments where the insurance carrier didn't want to take too extreme a move at one time. So what they did was they just raised the premium so much that the city had to order their police department to change their, their actions. Stop violating people's rights. Okay, because you're costing the city this much money. Now, the police department is a revenue generator for the city. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the average police officer brings in about $300,000 a year in revenue. This huh. is ticket revenue. This is coming in from DUIs, court fees, all that stuff. It, it all gets generated from the initial stop by the police officer. But cities don't want the cost of having that department to exceed the revenue that they bring in. Insurance companies will raise the premium closer and closer to that line, and that's what makes the city force their own police department to change their behavior. And that's, again, what Sidekick does. Uh, it does this in the aggregate. So with enough lawsuits in a given jurisdiction, this will trigger an alert at the insurance company, and then the insurance company will force the city or the county to alter the behavior of their department. And the surprising thing is, is that it doesn't take that many claims against the department. And that's, that's another important thing. It's not about settled lawsuits. It's not about lawsuits that have gone to court. It's purely about the number of claims against the department, and we're only talking about a couple dozen. Yeah, I mean, just think about how many claims it takes for your insurance company to jack your rates up or drop you when you have, you know, automobile issues. It's it's not many. Uh, young people will get one speeding ticket and and get a notice that they've been dropped. They, that can always be pushed back, but it's a typical thing because if State Farm gets you to to believe that letter, you go somewhere else. You're someone else's problem. So insurance companies are in one business and one business only, making money. And you don't do that by paying claims. You do that by not paying claims. So they're, they're, they're very risk adverse and they've got everything in a very high level of technology with algorithms to determine exactly what your rate's going to be, whether you like it or not. And you can't, there's no, there's no negotiations there, right? For the state that likes to do plea bargains and, and backyard deals and all, and all, the, the insurance company's like, that's how much the cost is. Well, we'll quit. We don't care. That's the point. So you're turning their own apparatus against them, insurance, lawyers, legal tactics. 
And I think this is very important. We've been talking about this a lot lately on air that there's this mythology around like all these military conflicts around the world that like these these peasants use outdated technology and yet they win. No. In every conflict, the victor has always used either advanced tactics, advanced technology, or turned the enemy's own weaponry on themselves. And you could do that in a peaceful way, too. And that's what this is. This is taking their technology of surveillance, their technology and, 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 and slanting the deck with the law, and, and their technology with public opinion, and it's tilting the deck back in the opposite direction and saying, okay, and their, their, their leverage of finance. Right, so it's taking all four of those pillars of their their method of oppression and turning it back on them. I, I do want to go into a, a different part of this with you right now. For a second here, okay. you mentioned something I didn't even think of at all, and I think it might be for many people a bigger compelling reason to support what you're doing and eventually have the service when it's developed um, than than just general interactions with the police. Because there are people that just, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand that this stuff, these abuses do happen. But I know what people do get today. The abuses by Child Protective Services. And when I saw this service, I didn't really think of that. And you kind of mentioned it there real quick as a glance over. But that, if I had children under the age of 18 today, I would have that. I would I would create the app for myself until somebody gave me a mass market version of it. Because those people have ridiculous levels of authority, at least perceived authority, and I don't think anybody out there is going to tell you they haven't seen abuses by CPS officers. Right. This is this is rampant across the country, and they always target the poorest counties the most. Uh, for example, I'm in Butte County in Northern California, and up until a couple of years ago, Butte County it, it's just it's, it's not a rich place, and uh, it had the highest rate of child seizures. It's no coincidence. They intentionally target uh, families who do not make much money, which means they don't have the resources to fight back. And what happens is that they will take a child and they immediately get funding from the federal government. So the, the, this, this entire child kidnapping scheme uh, being conducted across the entire country is actually being funded by the federal government. So when they take a child, the, the possession of that child by the county is, is monetized in six-month increments. And this is absolutely horrible. Uh, this is just one of the most, if not the most, uh, uh, egregious things taking place in the United States right now. And it, there have actually been cases, there was a judge in Texas, this happened maybe seven or eight years ago, and he was actually caught ordering children from CPS. He would place an order for a child. He'd say, I want a little boy, four or five years old, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, go get me the child. And the CPS would go get him the children that he wanted. And this, this is this is what we've come to. So, yes, sidekick can be used for this, okay? Uh, people need to understand that most of the time when CPS knocks on a person's door and they, they're there with a couple deputies behind them and they're there to take some of these child those agents, most of the time, do not fulfill the criteria in the code sections which, which outline what they can and cannot do. Mm. In other words, in order for them to take a child, they need to have a, a warrant. They need to have, they need to have a warrant to come onto the property. Uh, two, if they need to have evidence <clears throat> of uh, 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 imminent physical or emotional danger to the child. Mm. They almost never have this. 
Okay. There, there was a, 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 like I said, Butte County is, you know, up until just a couple of years ago, uh, was just rife with child seizures. So there, there have been horrible accounts. There, there, there was a family where CPS just barged into their house and, uh, just, just, they just go around looking, right? For any, anything that they can write down on a piece of paper is a reason for them to take a person's child. Well, there was one, one instance where the parents were really environmentally active and they had watched a, a, a government, um, a U.S. government uh, advertisement which, in, which, uh, advised people to not flush their toilets or, or restrict the amount of times that they flush the toilet in order to save water. Mm-hmm. Well, the parents took it to heart. Then CPS barges into their house and they found an unflushed toilet and they said, oh, health code violation, and they just took their children. And people don't understand, when CPS takes their children, chances are you're not getting them back. See, that's where I was just going to go with this. I, I think that people don't realize that as well, that it's it's one thing for them to get out of the house with the kids, especially if you have legal representation. Because if you've got this whole thing being videoed and you've got an attorney and you've got an attorney citing code and things that attorneys can do that normal people, especially, I don't care if you've got the whole thing memorized. When you're worried about your kids, you can't function that way. That's why you have legal counsel. Because, well, you know the old saying, the person that represents themselves has a fool for an attorney and a client, right? Because you can't think. You can't. There's no way. So having that, then the deputies, they're actually creating the environment of enforcement that allow this person to leave with your child, are in a situation where they've been advised of code and they've been and by an attorney, somebody that they actually know knows what the hell they're talking about. Because sometimes cops, even when you're right, they just think you don't know. Right? They, they know this guy knows. They know everything's been recorded, and they're now put in a position where, officer, do you really want to do this right now, or do you think maybe this person needs to go get some more information? And, and then you're back to money, because it's not just money for the state. It's money for the guy that has to go home and pay his mortgage that does the job. Uh, I'm not comfortable now. right? I, I, I don't think we need to be doing this, and if you can hold that off, it's quite difficult for them to come take your child in many ways, if you have the proper defense, it is very easy for them to keep your child. And that's scary as shit to a parent, and it should be. Oh, yes. They, they have they have a very elaborate, uh, well-entrenched system in place so that they can keep a child indefinitely. They can seize a child at, at, at six months old and keep that child till they're 18 years old. And they, they have no problem doing that. And it doesn't matter if they had... Didn't, it, it doesn't matter if they just barged into a house, didn't even give a reason, just took a child and walked out. It, it doesn't matter. You're okay? presumed guilty because your child was taken. I mean, that's the yeah. way it works. Like, they, the fact that they did it, there must be something wrong. I'll, I'll put it this way. My, my uncle was, was a lawyer, and he first started out and uh, as a defense attorney, and he had a case. Uh, he, was only, he was only doing that for a couple of years before he, before he had a case, that made him so disgusted that he never set foot in a courtroom again. Uh, uh, he, he took the case of a woman whose uh, child had been taken by CPS. He goes into court and he's representing this woman pro bono because, of course, she didn't, she didn't have any money. And 
he's just grilling the CPS agent. And it's all about justification. What's your justification for taking the child? And finally, the CPS agent is just, just finally just tells the truth. Well, we thought that the child would just be better somewhere else. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Okay, it's not I, the child's I, I could say that about a lot of people that are doing a good job as parents, but yeah, your kid would be better somewhere else. I mean, we could do better than this. Well, that's not the standard of care for your children. The standard of care for your children is providing them what they need in order to grow and be safe. And that's it. And not, not well, someone could do it a little better than you. I mean... That should send a shiver down the the back of every struggling parent. Think about this. If you're a single parent, right, and you're working your ass off and doing everything you can to take care of a couple kids, and how how likely is it that someone would assume, eh, we could do better than you're doing? I, that is that is horrifying, actually. It, it is. It is. And, you know, it's just... It, it's absolutely horrible. Be, it, I mean, look, this woman loves her daughter. They took her daughter, okay? Uh, her daughter was well-fed. Her daughter was never struck physically. Uh, she didn't scream at her daughter. That The house was clean. It wasn't like it was a trash pile. Her daughter was uh, uh, in kindergarten. Okay? This, this, this is a good environment for a child, Okay? And if it can happen to her, it can happen to anybody else. And it is happening. It's just been going on and on ever since then. This case happened about 20 years ago. Okay. It's so, so my, my response then to what you're trying to develop with this technology is even the person that lives in the lily white neighborhood is convinced that all this coffee beef stuff is false. How, How would that person answer this type of thing? I mean, haven't we all seen clear evidence of CPS doing things like this? And I guess the other place you have to look at this is there's a lot of people out there that say, where we're at, it's not too bad, but they're really worried about where we're going, right? They're like, yeah, we're heading for a police state. Don't you think that the time to act is before the boot is completely down on your freaking throat? Oh, right. The, the time to act is right now. Um, it's not... You know, we know where everything's going. You know, we already live in a police state. We we already fit the dictionary definition of a police state, okay? Uh, but the uh, politicians are in collusion with uh, big business to pass laws that benefit big business and, and, and big politics, okay? And everything is enforced brutally by a massive uh, police army. Okay, that's a police state, and we, we live in that right now. But there are varying degrees as far as how bad a police state is. And we are in a bad spot, but it's not to the point where people are being drug out of their houses in large numbers and shot in the head in the front of the, in, in the street. Okay, that's not happening just yet. It happens every now and then. Don't get me wrong. It does happen every now and then, but it's not to the point where where we're talking about, you know, uh, Stalin, okay, Soviet Russia, okay. We're not talking about you know the height of of National Socialist Germany. We're not there yet, but we are on track to be there. And there has never been an instance where a country has started going down this path and never gone all the way. <laughs> yeah, I. Sadly, that's that's very true. I when when I look at that, 
I, I think of the words of Car- Carla Greckel. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's uh, one of the leaders in the Free State Project up in New Hampshire. And she yeah, came yeah. here uh, like a decade and a half ago from South Africa. And she said the same thing you said. She said, you're living in a police state. And you don't see it because it's gradually come up around you. She's like, I came from a police state to a place that wasn't really a police state, but was on its way. And I've watched it as, as someone who came here from where it was already at. I'm going to tell you, you're in the same place now, and you don't know it. And, and that's, that is the way that all this stuff happens. People talk about Nazi Germany and go, how did that happen? Incrementally, and pe- with people cheering it as it went, that's how it happened. And, and people saying, if you, if you dissented, if you said anything wrong, you were a communist, you were a racist, you were something... You, you you know you were you were bad you were crazy you needed to be done away with that, that that's how this stuff happens it's the old Star Trek line liberty falls with thunderous applause yes yeah. yes and and we, we need to ask ourselves if, if what can we do about it okay so talking about it is good okay it's good to inform people about things that they don't know about about the state of the country and where it's headed that it's necessary to have that happen. On the other hand, we also need to be asking, what can be done about it? Yeah. That's what Sidekick is. That's the result of, of, of me asking myself, what can be done about, about the police? And once I figured it out for them, it, I realized that it could be used in all these other instances. If, if there are CPS agents at your door, you can use Sidekick. If, uh, if you know, a, a, a big way that, that cities and counties get revenue is by sending out um, code enforcers uh, for property. And yeah. they just go around and, and, and they just hit people up with, with, with fines. And they say, oh, well, you can't do this, this piece of construction or... or uh, you know, you know, you, know you, you can't redo this, this, this piece of property and, and it's totally legal, right? But they just get hit with a fine and there's nothing they can do about it. Sidekick can help there because, you know, this, this actually happened to my mom. She was remodeling, uh, her house and she, uh, and basically one of the code enforcers from the city, city of Chico, just drives up and, and, and says, uh, you can't do this. Uh, you, you need our permission, and the process is going to cost you about $10,000. So they're just going around hitting people up for money. Well, Sidekick can help there. Sidekick can help with CPS. Sidekick can help when you get pulled over. I'm not saying that it's 100% sure that the person is going to not be brutalized. I'm sure there are some cops who are not going to care, right? But if the cop still flies off the handle, just know that they'll be sued. The evidence of them going crazy is stored. There's nothing they can do about that. And there is an attorney who will file that lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, and that's at some point when people, if people want assurances that something's going to work a hundred percent of the time, they're in the wrong thing. They're in this thing called life. It doesn't work that way, but I, I'm, I'm very encouraged that this is something that can be done. Right. And I, I think that that is, Especially in the libertarian anarcho world, what what a lot of people have been trying to do up to now is just convince everybody that we're right, right? Okay, well, I'm sorry, that's only going to go so far, and most people are so intrinsically programmed by the system that they live in 
that they can't possibly pull back enough to see what's going on. All you got to do is you look at Facebook and you just see the direction of the country and the, and the perfect divide of the dichotomy. Um, and, you know, one side can murder people. It's okay. The other side murder people. It's wrong. It's so evident. And you're trying to convince that person to look up and see what's going on. But when they see abuse, they get it. That They have to see something happen. They have to hear it happen, and they have to see evidence. And when you have a court of law put into a position where it has to rule against the law enforcement, all of a sudden then to these people that, that, that frankly, they're, 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 they worship the freaking state, let's just put it that way, the state has legitimized the abuse. The, the state has said it really did happen. And all of a sudden it's real to them, like, oh, we should be outraged now. So the only way to reach people like that is to start turning the tide. And on some levels, if you don't reach them, it doesn't matter. As long as we create liberty for ourselves and hopefully be a good example of that. Because, you, like you said, talking only does so much. And I'm constantly looking for more and more concrete things that people can do. And one of the big things I advise people to do is, well, stick to your own life. Build security, safety, and liberty at the personal level because you're not going to change the direction of the country right now. But then I get the question from somebody, well, what do I do when they come after me? And this is one of the answers. Well, at least you make sure that you're afforded your right. See, this is something I didn't even know. You're afforded a right to legal counsel at every single interaction with law enforcement. From the second that you are spoken to forward, there is no, if there's none of this, well, you can talk to an attorney later crap. If I have access to counsel, I'm afforded access to counsel, and if you won't give me access to counsel, then I'm not talking to you. I, I mean, I, I didn't realize that, that when a cop pulls you over, at that point, you are entitled to counsel, that moment. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. A person has a right to counsel at every stage of an interaction with police. And, you know, the main problem is that people normally can't afford attorneys, and they don't have an attorney just staying there next to them or on speed dial to be able to handle that situation. And what we did with Sidekick is we figured out a way to make it so that uh, people can have affordable legal representation. Um, so, the, and, and another one of the questions I've had is, how is it that police, uh, I'm sorry, that, that attorneys will take the call without without uh, being paid? Well, what they need to understand is that attorneys are the ones who normally pay for this. Okay, there are there are entire law firms who operate on a lead generation model, and I found that that a lot of people are not are not familiar with this concept. And the only reason that I know is because I, I briefly worked as a loan officer in Silicon Valley, and the entire mortgage brokerage was run off the lead generation model. So every day the broker would spend ten thousand dollars or so on a, a bunch of leads and then split them up among the loan officers, and then we would follow, follow up those leads. Well, those leads are basically just people who have gone on to, say, lending tree or something, filled out a, a little bit of information. You know, I'm so-and-so, this is my name, uh, here's my number, uh, contact me about, about refinancing, right? And, the, and then lending tree will sell that information. Well, attorneys do the same thing. They buy leads for potential clients. And they pay a lot of money for every lead. Depending on the quality, it can go anywhere from 20 bucks a lead to $200 a lead. Well, Sidekick is a lead generation goldmine for attorneys because nearly every call will be someone who needs representation in a situation that is fraught with rights violations. 
<laughs> this is an attorney's dream. You know, one of the responses I had was, well, what attorney is going to take a call from a group of drunks who have just been pulled over at 2 in the morning? And I, I, I was just, I was really surprised. And, you know, they don't understand. An attorney could only hope that that happens to them at least once in their life. They, they want that call. Um, they don't understand. You know, I've spoken to a lot of attorneys, and attorneys more than anybody else in society know the corruption of police. Well, they make a living on it. Yeah, they're the ones, you know, like the defense attorneys and civil rights attorneys, they're the ones who are constantly representing people who have had their rights violated. And yeah. so, so they just see it over and over again, year after year. They go into court and they watch an officer get on, get on the stand and test the lie. Okay, they just get up there and they they just they just lie. It's a bald faced lie, and the attorney knows it. They have, they have evidence for it, but the officer can just get up there and lie. And attorneys see this over and over and over again. I've met attorneys who just you would not believe how much they despise cops. It's 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 for some attorneys it's pure hatred because they they've seen really really good people that they've represented get sent to jail. Yeah, I and, mean I'm sure it happens, and, and it's. It's got to wear on on those guys just like it wears on the the some like I said some of the cops that are really bad guys but they just they they tweak at some point from years of doing this stuff and I, it's probably why many of these attorneys end up saying you know what this criminal defense world even I even though I know it needs to be done I, I'm I'm going to go chase ambulances it's just easier but you're right on the lead generation thing we have a guy here in uh, in Texas the Hammer Jim Adler he does commercials all day long for auto accidents. I guarantee you, if you have an accident, you call Jim Adler. Jim Adler is not going to end up being your attorney unless it is a multi-million dollar lawsuit. If it's a couple hundred thousand or less, they're going to sell that lead off to some firm within their network. There's a little disclaimer right across the bottom of the TV that basically says that we have this network of attorneys and you know a, a responsible provider will be found for you, that type of thing. So a person sees Jim Adler standing on top of the car, I'll hammer for you. He's not going to do jack crap. He's a front man. And that's an example of exactly what you're talking about, attorneys looking for leads. And that's, that's, that's a huge market. Yes, and, and what we've done is we've turned that to the advantage of the general public when it comes to interactions with, with agents of the state. So in, in, when, when the sidekick user initiates that video call, everybody's winning. That user is getting legal representation, and the attorney is taking a live call in a situation fraught with rights violations, and 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 they're they're just they're just basically waiting for the officer to screw up, right? They're, they're you know because the attorney knows all the codes, and and see the violation of any one of those codes is grounds for a lawsuit. Those codes are duties, and 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 when the when the officer breaches those codes. That is that is a, a grounds for a lawsuit, and so basically, as an attorney on Sidekick now has uh, uh, an endless supply of what attorneys need most, which is uh, clients with evidence of rights violations. Okay, and that attorney so, knows full well when he's a part of that network that. Mm -hmm. Not only does he have on record his conversation with the officer that every single thing that's happened has been recorded 
some of the video because it's all about the angle of the phone there, but all of the audio, all that information is available, and he knows full well that the, the municipality can't do a damn thing to prevent the admission of that evidence because it exists somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's the beauty. It's the cloud. Where I want to destroy this. You give it to me. Can't tell you where it is. Don't know. It went somewhere. I can get it later, but you can't destroy it. I can't. I don't know how to get it right now. I'm sorry. It's part of my subscription service. You've taken my phone. I can't even subscribe right now. By the way, you're denying me my right to my attorney. He's in that phone. Please give it back to me. I mean, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you bring up a really good point. This is another thing. People say, well, you know, uh, the officer is just, just going to ignore the phone. Oh, well, they can do that, but that's denying uh, the, the a client their right to legal representation. Sure it is. And there's audio and video evidence for it, and there's and it's stored on multiple secure servers, and there's nothing that the officer can do about that. So it's really checkmate, okay? When somebody activates Sidekick, it's basically over, okay? If, if the officer does anything outside of their legal bounds, there will be a lawsuit. And there's, there'll be evidence of, of the rights violations. You almost wonder why it hasn't happened before. Now, you have an actually interesting story about how you got this far with it. You came up with this idea. You did a little research, found out there was some patents already filed, but technology not developed. Can you talk about that? Right, right. I, I, uh, I wanted to see if there was anybody else who had already researched it um, or started pursuing it. And uh, so I, I did a patent search on patents granted. I didn't find anything. And I thought, oh, man, OK, well, I guess I'm the only one. And uh, then uh, there was an inventor who was helping me out. And he said, oh, well, re remember to search for um, patents that have just been applied for but not granted yet. And I did. And I came across a patent that had been filed by two gentlemen from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. However, there was no company. And I, I, I looked everywhere. I, could, I couldn't find any, any, any mention of a company that does this. And so I figured, well, okay, they filed the patent. But they filed that patent in, I think they filed it in uh, 2010. And um, there was nothing. So I, so what, I figured that they had been unable, unsuccessful to um, get company going. And I, I contacted them. We met up, and, and it turns out that they had also come up with a, a very similar idea, not the exact same idea. Um, they, they, they had gone over the idea of attorney representation and everything, but instead of mainly using it through a smartphone, they, they were looking at, at, at putting – uh, cameras and microphones uh, um, installed throughout a person's vehicle on the on the on the inside and outside, and uh, but other than that, it was it was pretty much the same idea, and we got along really well. And they had they had been um, trying for some time to get uh, funding from investors to uh, develop the software and the hardware and 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 get everything going. Um, but the main problem is that investors, like you were talking about before, when you're talking about the gated, gated communities who, who don't perceive that there's actually anything wrong, well, your typical investor is someone who's quite wealthy, lives in a mansion, and a lot of times they're in gated communities, and they don't perceive that there's, that there's any issue. Uh, wealth insulates the wealthy from the police state, and so that's the problem that they were running into. And so what we did is we, we figured that working together, we would have a better chance of getting this, uh, getting this product to the market, getting it on, on, on people's phones um, as soon as possible. And so then uh, I, I 
uh, gave the investors a shot myself. And I spent uh, a little over six months uh, approaching different investors, and I encountered the exact same problem that my partners, uh, Alex Henry and Calvin Ludington, encountered, which is that your typical investor actually doesn't think that there's anything wrong. Uh, one investor said, well, it's an interesting idea, but it's not like police would ever do anything bad. Oh, God. Right? So they're, they're not really grounded in, in reality. And it's unfortunate because there is such a demand for it. And um, the investor, it's a great investment for an investor, right? Um, so it got to the point where, I mean, where I'm, I'm pursuing this. And all the whole time, every day, it's just one article after another, one video after another of people being beaten to death. Uh, shot and killed, um, articles of, 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 uh, police, you know, finally being caught after raping 20 women. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just horrible. And I said, you know, I, I just, we can't wait to come across the right investor. We need to get the funding right now and start development on, on the software and get it out to people's phones as soon as possible. I mean, just look at what's happening. Things are deteriorating so quickly. And so we went the crowdfunding route, and that's uh, when I began work on the Indiegogo campaign and uh, uh, made a video and uh, wrote up the you know campaign profile and got everything ready for Indiegogo. Um, so we have the campaign on there. It has, I believe, uh, 13 days left, and uh, we've um, we haven't hit our goal, but we have raised enough funding to complete the first phase of app development. That's the design and the user interface and the wireframe, which is actually the most important part to, uh, I mean, there's a reason it's the first part of the app that gets done. Sure. So uh, we, that's, that work on that, the actual coding is beginning uh, for the first part of the app uh, next Monday. So I'm really happy about that. So we have enough money to get that uh, completed. And there's, I think that part of the reason that we haven't um, reached our goal is, uh, well, there are two main reasons. One is that it's actually a large amount of money. It's a very expensive, complicated app. Um, it's actually multiple complicated apps rolled into one piece of software. So just audio streaming or video streaming or doing both at the same time on, on, on its own, that, that's actually pretty complicated. Um, Connecting, uh, initiating a video call to a nationwide attorney network of attorneys who are linked in either through their smartphone, uh, through their smartphone or through their home computer or a computer at an office and having everything match up, um, that's very difficult. And we have the best software firm in America, Zico Corporation. They've been around since 1989. They're one of the largest in the world, and they are uh, really, really good at what they do. So anybody who's interested uh, in checking up and making sure that we're using a good company to do this can just go to zico.com. That's just zco.com. And, and look at their, 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 uh, their profile, the projects that they've worked on in the past. And um, I think that another reason that we haven't reached our goal yet is because uh, people are concerned that if they contribute but we don't reach our goal, that they won't get the uh, subscriptions that uh, are coming along with the amount that they contribute. And I just want listeners to know that uh, we're not going to stop until we get this product released. And anybody who contributes to the campaign now will get their subscription. We, 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 we have it all logged, how much each person gave, 
And even if we don't reach our goal, somebody who gave, uh, you know, $100 is still going to get, you know, two years for themselves and a year for a friend, or they could make it so that they keep all three years, whatever they want, and they're going to get their discounted subscriptions to Sidekick. So, and that's kind of the beauty of this, is that when people contribute to the campaign, they're not just giving away their money. They're actually buying discounted subscriptions for the product that they're helping to create. Yeah, that's that's really important. I, I think that I think part of what hurts people like you guys, and hopefully, if, you know, if you don't hit your goal, and it, you may not. Um, you know, I, one thing I noticed, and it's something I always check for. Is the person who set up the 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 Kickstarter, or in your case, Indiegogo, or all, any, all of these, you know, GoFundMe, whatever, um, smart enough to set it up as a flexible funding thing? So if you like, you come out and you get you look for a round of funding, you don't get your goal, but you get something. Now you can get started, and you guys selected that. And I think that there's a learning curve for people with sites like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe, all this stuff that. There's this mentality that, well, if this person doesn't hit their goal, they don't get the funding, and therefore the project's dead, and I don't think they're going to get the goal, so I don't want to risk my investment there. And I think that more entrepreneurs such as yourself need to start coming to the table there if you're going to use the crowdfunding sites and looking at it the way that you go seek funding to develop this with typical investors. So if I was trying to develop a software product and I needed a half a million dollars to develop it, and I came forward and I, I met with some venture capitalists and they said, well, we're not comfortable investing a half a million dollars yet. My, my very first response would be, how much are you comfortable investing so that you can see what we can do with it? And if more people come to these crowdfunding sites with that type of approach, now the crowdfunding sites lock you into some things. It's a little more difficult. But coming back for multiple rounds and saying, here's our progress. I think that also helps attract more investors. And then the other thing is you, you probably just haven't reached enough people, and hopefully we're helping you with that today. Um, I mentioned it on the air briefly earlier this week, and I noticed like only two people from the audience seem to have stepped up and, and donated, or not don't, donated is the wrong word, invested and purchased a future subscription. I'm asking the audience to do this. We, we complain about this stuff all the time. I mean, guys like Stefan Molyneux should have this, out and be telling people about it. Um, the cop block guy, cop, cop block guys should be telling people about it. Everybody bitches, but if we're gonna get something done, then that means the people that are bitching need to put some skin in the freaking game here. Um, I looked at this and went, here's here's two hundred fifty bucks, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Orion. If I hadn't just done a major improvement here, and this wasn't my slow time of the year, I would have done more. Um, I did what I could at the time that you know you you were looking for the funding. You come back for a second round of funding, I'm in again. And I think that we need to understand that some of these things like this are complicated, and you don't just do this and turn it on tomorrow morning. It takes time, and it takes money to get done. We've done a lot with software development in my past, and it's not as simple as the user thinks it is. The job of a developer is to make the user think it's simple. That, that's really so the user can push a button, and it just does what it's supposed to do. But it's not easy. We've developed some things in the past that really are a lot simpler than this, and they were nowhere near as simple as it would seem. Right. You know, it, it's, 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 it is difficult. It's very complicated, and it does take some time. Uh, the total amount of time that it's going to take uh, from the beginning of, of programming to the uh, finished product that's actually uh, been tested um, and is ready to release to the market 
is a little over three months, and we are starting the process again uh, this next week, earlier this next week. And you are right um, when you're talking about you know things that that entrepreneurs and startups can do better when it comes to crowdfunding. Uh, in retrospect, we probably should have just started out with the amount we needed to complete the first phase. Uh, nonetheless, we've, we've hit that amount. Actually, your contribution, thanks by the way, was what pushed us over that line and made it so that we could make the call to the app company and get to work on that. Um, but what we're going to do is develop, the, is, is begin work on the first phase of the app and if we don't reach our goal, then when we're complete, when we're, then when we're finished, uh, four weeks from now with the first phase of the app, we will, uh, come back, run another campaign, and we can show people this is what we've done with the, with the money that you contributed last time. You can actually see the, you know, the, the front page graphics on the app. We have the wireframe made. Next, you know, uh, next we need, you know, this, this amount. And, uh, we'll just run another campaign. And on, uh, on the other hand, we've also had a lot of, uh, private investor interest, uh, since, um, since we started the campaign. And then there's, you know, Jeff Berwick's interview created a lot of buzz. And, and I, I have no doubt that this interview is going to create more buzz. And you brought up the point of that that's probably part of the problem here is, is a lack of coverage. Um, uh, I was in contact with, uh, uh, Pete from Cop Block. Uh, and and he he got the idea he understood it and he he posted a a brief write up that I did um, he posted at the coplock.org um, and activist post wrote an article on it and um, and there have been several other websites that have picked it up but it hasn't really hit the tipping point in terms of coverage yeah. you know and there is a tipping point you know people who people who really spend uh, enough time in in the alternative news. Uh, can really see when something hits a tipping point. If, if somebody it, visits enough websites uh, regularly, then they'll be able to see an article when it first comes out, and it'll just be slowly trickling, and it, it might take a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden, it'll, it'll just pass this, I don't know what the percentage is, I mean, uh, you know, 15, 20%, something like that, of, of websites picking it up, and then it just swings the other way. And so we're still we're still working on hitting that tipping point in terms of coverage. Yeah, I mean it's old marketing thing. So my background actually is in marketing, and it's about seven contacts uh, on on average with a potential customer to turn them into a customer. And that's every that's an email, that's a phone call, that's they came into your store. Each contact. So some people see something and buy it just instantly. I want that. I have, I can afford it. Give it to me. And then. Some people never buy, but when you aggregate the average across uh, 100,000 people, it's a seven contact. It's a known marketing formula. It goes all the way back to the 1970s, back of the book marketing type uh, of a campaign, and it's just a constant. So hopefully we can help you touch people that you've already touched. That, that's something that a lot of people, when they're trying to market an idea, don't understand. You need to touch the same group more than one time um, to make them see that you're serious, to make them see that this is something you're really going to get done. And my my call out though to the audience and the, and the other the other communities that you guys are part of that I'm not directly a part of is, you know, if we want it done, then somebody's got to do it. And if everybody in this audience ponied up ten bucks, I mean, you guys would be pretty much there anyway. You'd be over there. So you know, it doesn't take a lot. I think that people need to understand that you can be, participate on this on any level that you're comfortable with and give these guys the opportunity to show us what they can do, 
And then if they get to a point where they need more funding, they can come back and do a second round and say this is where we've gotten to and earn that confidence. And I, I, I believe in what you guys are doing. I want to see it get done, so I'll continue to support you. Well, thank you very much. And you bring up a good point, which is that it's, it's only partly about the product. The other part is about who's the team behind it. And, you know, it, people want to know that, that I'll, that myself and my co-founders, uh, Alex Henry and Calvin Weddington will actually, uh, see this through to the end. You know, actually take this, create the product, launch the company, develop it, uh, adapt to, to, to every new challenge and, and, and really make sure that people have, uh, you know, quality legal representation w- w- when they want it and that their data is never infringed upon, that it always works. Um, and that's totally understandable. An investor would want the same thing. Uh, investors typically say that they, they more than the, more than a good idea, they invest in the people behind the idea. And yeah. that's, that's pretty much it. So, um, you know, my partners and I have each been working on this, basically been dedicated to it for a couple of years now. And, um, I'm, I'm not going to stop. My partners aren't going to stop. And we're just going to keep doing this until this rights protecting tool is on everybody's smartphone in the United States. <laughs> that's 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 a, a good goal, man, and I appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, can you tell people how they can help you out? Sure. You can go to Indiegogo and just type in Sidekick, that's S-I-D-E-K-I-K, and you'll see our logo. It's a circle with a hand holding up a smartphone and the scales of justice behind it, and you just click on that, and it'll take you to the campaign. You can go to our YouTube video. Just go to YouTube and type in Psychic. Again, that's S-I-D-E-K-I-K. And you'll see the same video with the same logo. You can watch our YouTube video there. Um, or you can just go to our website, uh, www.sidekick.co. That's just S-I-D-E-K-I-K dot C-O. And I want to throw out a little bit of a warning. and You may not be aware of this, Orion. I was just pulling up your site. And whoever has the dot com has a phishing site up. So it's .co.co, not, not .com, folks. And I'll have links for you so you know that you're in the right place in the show notes today. Um, that almost makes me wonder if it isn't someone from some statist organization trying to jack with you, dude. Oh, I haven't even seen that, no. Yeah, if you go to the .com, you get this page. It says your computer's been infected with a virus and follow these instructions type of thing. Um, I wouldn't go there just to look at it. I'm pretty well fortified here, so I, it, it didn't really bother me at all. But uh, that's uh, that's a problem. So uh, it might wow. be a good idea to look who is on the .com and see what the hell's going on there because that's that's uncool. Um, that's a that's a form of basically brand terrorism, if you if you ask me. Um, it's it's it, I. I I was kind of shocked when I saw that. And I, the reason I bring it up is because a lot of times with the .co domain, they have these autofills that do a com. So, folks, if you're going to their website, make sure you're going to .co, not .com. And, again, I'll put uh, links in the show notes. So you might want to check into that, dude. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. I'll look into that. And, um, you know, I, I just I, I want to thank you for the call and allowing me to be on your show today. And I think it's just really important that we do everything we can to not just spread information, uh, about the police state and every other uh, active misconduct that's taking place in, uh, by government agents, but also look for a solution. 
and support any solution that, that people come that that people find. And if that, that support is monetary, that's that's great. If it's you know even if it's just uh, se- you know sending links to something that that people find, you know whether it's psychic or another solution to to some other problem that people come across, uh, just you know find it and send out information to your network, to people that you know. Spread information about actual solutions. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to point out for people that still think, well, the problem's not quote unquote that bad or there's not as many bad guys out there with badges as you think they are. If there's any, it's a problem. And I would say that I'll bet you 80% of this audience, uh, that it, of the people that live where it's possible have a carry permit or, or carry because your state just lets you. And you carry that gun because someday somebody might. And I want you to think about that. And, and those of you that don't carry, I bet you 95% of the people listening to this show have a gun in their home. And, it, it, and on some level, it's because someday somebody might. Well, in your interactions with law enforcement, I don't care if in your whole state there's one. And I'm here to tell you there's a lot more than one. It only matters when you're dealing with the one. And just like we defend ourselves with burglar alarms, just like we prep and we prepare, this is the Survival Podcast for anything from a job loss to a disaster, we should be prepared to deal with law enforcement that are not doing their job correctly. No matter how many percentage you think do do it correctly, you should be prepared for the ones that don't. This is a great way to do it. So, again, thank you for for your efforts to get this developed. I know it's not easy getting an idea from zero to to complete it. I've done it a few times myself. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, and this is definitely a noble thing. So, again, thank you for being on the show today, Ryan. Hey, thank you, Jack. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spierka today uh, with a really great thing that you can support and helping you guys figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. It's in our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.
Show.